There's an IPA in your chest. These guys hijacked your ship. They sold your cryo keg to this human. He put 8.7 ABV inside you, and it's a really nasty one. In a few hours, it's going to burst through your butthole, and your insides are going to die. Any questions? Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back. This is the 193rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by Wabam Entertainment. We are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight, we are the Monsters Mothers as we continue Hops and Xenomorph Flops with the oddly horny Alien Resurrection. Or appropriately horny. You decide, listener. I am Captain Cash, and along with me for this cloning experiment gone awry. Our Ripley's basketball coach, Bling Blake. I got my moves from NBA Jams 97. This man is on fire. He's heating up. He's on fire. And also with us tonight is the man who leads the crew of space pirates who never met a foot he wouldn't rub, the Thunderous Wizard. Yeah, I, I do two things. I give foot rubs and I... Uh... <laughs> illegally kidnap humans and sell them to scientists wait wait wait. there's like a third or fourth thing which is smoke enough cigarettes and drink enough whiskey that it makes your voice sound like hey there i'm the head of a space pirate crew and this is a really cool voice and i've been able to parlay that into a whole acting career i mean he's almost always the same character so i I give him credit but why a spoon cousin because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. God damn it. I love Rickman. R.I.P. All right, let's get to the beer. Tonight, we are going to be drinking Death by Design, much like the aliens. This is from Holy City Brewing out of North Charleston, South Carolina. This hazy IPA clocks in at a barely approved by me, 6.8 ABV. So no worries about it melting through the hull of your ship. It's brewed with citra. Azica, I'm guessing, and Triumph Hops. So let's give this bad boy a whirl. Fruity, very light. You know, not very heavy at all. If I'm going to give this, how many bad movies would I sit through, provided I was plied with this free beer? I'd give it at least two, maybe three. This is very enjoyable. I enjoy a hazy IPA. I'm surprised at its light and fruitiness based on the terrifying black can with a grim reaper on it that seems you would think that would be a lot more uh like it would be dark and more threatening but no this is kind of I, I would drink one of these on a summer day the important thing to remember is death comes even on summer days but especially if there are aliens around so let's talk about the movie alien resurrection was directed by future oscar nominee well current oscar nominee but future nominee at the time jean pierre Jeannot. he also helmed the city of lost children Amelie, and the very long engagement. Uh, He was apparently given carte blanche to tweak the the script, written by the villainous Joss Whedon. Uh, Yeah. Man, he's not not great, guys. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, The film, of course, stars 
Sigourney Weaver as Ripley 8, uh, Winona Stranger Things writer as Call, Dominic Pignon as, is it Virus? Vries. Uh, he's a Vries. French actor and he's in a lot of other, yeah, you know, movies. That's why, but yeah, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name. Like, I feel like they said his name twice and both times I missed it. So what you're trying to say is that you don't you know what you're talking about here? I barely you know what's going on on any given day. But especially with how I, how I pronounce this guy's name. Uh, it also features Ron Perlman, everybody's favorite Hellboy, as Johnner. Uh, also, Gary Duarden as Christy. Uh, Michael Wincott, as previously mentioned, as Elgin, the leader of the pirate crew. Brad Dourif, everybody's favorite Chucky, and possibly the best actor, as basically Joseph Mingala, I mean, Geldman. And Dan, General Arius Hayda, as Harry General Guy, featuring others as well. I thought it was nice that he continued to wear his uniform shoulder boards, even when he wasn't wearing his jacket you know even when he was just wearing tank top he had his you know military shoulder uh regalia yeah you Listen. don't you don't have epaulets and not wear epaulets yeah i'm a, respect I, the sign of the station sir i'm a i'm a fan of pro wrestling so i'm no stranger to hairy men and that was the longest shoulder hair i've ever seen and it it seemed like they really backlit him so it, it really like like stood out, show, right? shown through is shown the right word, but man, I believe, yeah, yeah, you got a French director. He's like, let me see the back hair. I mean, yes. I I hang out in the neighborhood HOA pool all summer long, and even even the guys around here in in rural Southwest Ohio have the sense to shave that off. Have some self respect. Keep your shoulder hair. I put this cigarette out on the shoulder, but I don't feel it because the hair is so long. It provides a natural armor. All right, anyway. Uh, so this film was released in November of 1997 uh, and grossed $161.4 worldwide on a budget of $70 million. So not exactly a big win, but not exactly a giant flop. However, only $47.8 million of that came from North America, making it the least successful domestic release of the franchise. Meant to be a return to reform for the series, Fox courted now uber-famous directors like Danny Boyle, Peter Jackson, and he who shall not be named but directed a bunch of X-Men movies and is totally a monster before settling on Juno. Despite his lack of Hollywood experience, he was given basically free reign to tweak the script as well as edit the film. He was given so much freedom that the intro to the director's cut, he explains that almost nothing aside from the opening and ending are changed because everything he wanted to do was in the movie. That opening is just as nonsensical as the rest of the movie. Yeah, the opening essentially is a guy on a spaceship who crushes a bug and then spits it through a straw at a window. And I guess that's to show you... I don't know the fragility of life or something or the way we look at ourselves in comparison to other things. I, I took it as like a fake out because it, the mouth is supposed to be like, oh, it's an alien. Oh, oh yeah. but it's a so, fly. Yeah. So originally when they made the movie, they didn't have the 
budget to finish that effect, which is why they just went with what I think is more in tune with the movie, which is just showing the weird clone whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree for the most part, but the one thing that I guess they had the option to add, but they backed off of because it was too expensive was to show a mosquito sucking the blood of Ripley eight only to have it dissolve because her blood is acid on account of the alien stuff. And we'll, we'll get into that in a sec, but I, I would have loved to have seen that. That would have been a cool effect. I think that would have been pretty neat. And this movie, uh, the effects are, I mean, it's five years later, but the effects are a lot better than alien three for the most part. Much. I better. mean, I feel like there are a few places where the CGI is noticeable, but by and large, I really feel like the miniatures are used really effectively. The cinematography is pretty good. I really don't have a lot of complaints from a special effects perspective on this one. No, I would agree. I think the movie looks good. It just yeah. winds up like, and we'll get into as you like are watching it, you're like, oh, yeah, this just feels like a shitty movie. <laughs> Does not feel up to the standard of Alien or Aliens. It's, yeah, it's it's really unfortunate just because like the movie does look so good, and and this director clearly has some chops and some vision. It it reminded me of a lot of like '90s music videos. Like it was like I was watching a Jamiroquai video for half of it. it but the and and the actors are are objectively pretty decent. Most of these people have careers, like they have their their names. Uh, but the story is awful. Whereas opposed to Alien 3, where it was like, we kind of got a good story going into it, but it was just really hard to see the movie and the CGI was terrible. Like, I, I don't know. It was just kind of a, a bummer. I was excited about it. And then, like you said, this just the story kind of is weak. The script I, is pretty, pretty bad. Hear me out. This is a comic book movie. It's it's a cartoon. It's like the Alien One is a straight up horror film. Aliens is an action movie. This is all of that dumbed down. Like it, if you could do a, a couple of clever edits, and this basically turns into a like a scary movie for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from what I read. Because there's an article out there uh, where they interviewed Jeannot for the 25th anniversary of the film. And he talked a lot about how, like, if they would have went just with the Whedon script, it would have been a hit. Because he wrote that script was for morons, which I thought it was a very French interview. <laughs> and... Which is to say he was full of contempt for the interviewer as well as the audience. Yeah. How dare you? Um but there's also a Whedon quote, like basically where Whedon was upset with some of the changes, but also thought the movie was cast poorly because the cast didn't deliver his lines the way he want he would have wanted them to, which is also, you know, from what we've come to learn of him, he has no self-awareness. Yeah. So <laughs> which is wild because again, I don't have a problem with any of the acting here at all. It's I, not, I stand yeah, by. It's... I mean, John are rules. Like you got you got Ron Perlman to be the asshole. Like rules. That's like stretch. his thing. That's like one of his best things. So, gentlemen, how would you describe Alien Resurrection in one sentence? The actual IMDb description being: Two centuries after her death, a powerful human alien hybrid clone of Ellen Ripley 
aids a crew of space pirates in stopping the aliens from reaching Earth. Chumzilla, what is your one-liner? Joss Whedon writes, Alien 4, Ripley, the Alien Slayer. Ripley, believe it or not, Bling Blake, what's yours? Alien Resurrection, the non-sequitur sequel that you really never needed. After Aliens, they're all things you never needed. And finally, Thunderous Wizard, what is your one-sentence description? My God, somebody get a bra on that alien. <laughs> I mean, listen, aliens should be free to let him hang. You know what? What? Who are we to judge? I mean, yeah. I didn't Breathe the space I, nipple. Yeah, I didn't know I needed alien titties before this movie, but here we are. Alien looked like Buster Douglas in the Holyfield fight. Man, I'm saying now, now I got I got a weird Tumblr account. This movie's fault. Yeah, that's why you have the weird Tumblr account. Yeah, yeah all, all solid the, cover move, but all because of the milky nipples from Alien Resurrection. I mean, you know, I'm just saying those big mommy xenomorph milkers. It's a thing. Well, let's talk about the plot. So, 200 years after the events of Alien Three, military scientists have managed to create a clone of Ellen Ripley. The idea is that because she had the alien queen inside her, they're able to take blood samples, which then lets them clone both the alien and Ripley, but somehow requires that they grow together. Uh, I don't know how that worked, but it was fine. poorly explained. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So this movie does a terrible job of it. Now, obviously we're going to talk about Prometheus next week. And that movie again, explores those themes that the alien DNA requires very little to bond to a host and then begin to alter it. So it's a cancer, right? But in the the Gibson script, which I'm reading, which is now a novelization, they really started they really started to explore those ideas, and it's shocking to me they just didn't go with that script because it's with a Prometheus? lot about that. Prometheus? Um, no, uh, the Gibson script for Alien Three, which uh, would have centered on Hicks and Bishop and had Newt and Ripley would have been in a stasis, but she would have came back at the end for an inevitable sequel, but. It goes a lot into like why the value of the alien and the alien DNA and having those monsters is more than just militarily. It's it's cancer research. It's everything because the restorative property of their DNA and how fast it can replicate. Uh, it's yeah, and then this movie just kind of throws it at you without any real explanation of why any of so it doesn't make any sense because that's not really how that would work. Yeah, I mean yeah. it. It's super science, so I'll let it slide. And the the key takeaway is, yeah, they cloned her with the queen inside her because that's just, I guess, how they did it. It's fine. Anyway, they extract the queen, uh, and because Ripley Eight managed to not die, they keep her alive for further study. Uh, they find that the surgical wound heals very quickly, and she Ripley notices that she's able to learn a bit more quickly. Though I, I, the timing on this isn't super clear. Anyway, uh, why everyone calls Ripley 8 is because she's got an 8 tattooed on her arm, uh, but no one tells her more than that, but it does come up later. Uh, it also seems that Ripley has retained some of OG Ripley's memories as she lays down a holy set of unnecessary foreshadowing. Uh, then we get a group of pirates slash, slash smugglers slash hey, this is actually what's going to happen with Firefly in like another two years because we've eaten again, uh, consisting of Elgin, played by Michael Wincott, Johnner, Ron Perlman, Christie, Gary Doran, 
Breeze, as we guessed, Dominique Pignon, uh, Hillard by Kim Flowers, and Call, played by Winona Ryder. They arrive on the ship, uh, on their ship, the Betty, delivering several bits of cargo, which we then later learn are abducted, uh, are abducted humans who are in stasis to General Perez. He's hired these pirates to steal these people so that the military science can use them as hosts for the aliens. What's not clear, though, is it doesn't seem like this is the first batch of aliens because they've already got a couple aliens. So where did like that first three set of aliens that we'll see in a moment come from? Well, I just assume they've been playing yeah. with this DNA all along. And uh, I guess I don't know where they got the the. I don't know where the, the egg, right? The chicken or the egg. This is, I don't know where they yeah. got the, the first egg as it were, but clearly these guys have a relationship, right? Elgin and, and shoulder hair. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, uh, they have shoulder hair, which by the way, I can't believe we didn't use that uh, drink gentlemen constantly. I did not name the trivia section after that. I named it. Kill me trivia, but I want to drink some of that laser whiskey. That's all I know. It's a it's a little confusing, yeah. Where they where those came from, and honestly, it's from this point on where the movie just falls apart for me. Anyways, where the setup is kind of interesting, you're like intrigued where it's going, and then it just falls apart. It is the year of our Lord, twenty and twenty three. I am owed some laser whiskey. I mean, is that so much to ask? I, mean, I was honestly, promised flying yeah. cars. I don't need flying cars. Give me laser. Whiskey. Feels like that one would be pretty simple. Feels like it. So basically, we've got a set of aliens that they've already produced, though candidly, the way it shot is confusing because we see the face huggers jump out, infect the cargo, and then later immediately see fully grown adult alien drones. I, I feel like there's some editing here that's a little funky. But either way, uh, the Betty Crew soon encounters Ripley 8. Uh, Ripley absolutely punks Johnner with her super skills at basketball, which naturally any alien DNA is going to impart to you, right? Just wicked good at basketball makes, or the xenomorphs. Makes total sense that she would be Ripley, uh, Ellen Ripley to the max after being cloned eight times. What the fuck is this scene? <laughs> what, what is what? this? What is it? Why is... I mean, I okay, it's Perlman... Yes, he's playing the asshole. He's right in the groove there. But, like, is that really his best? Like, you see one available woman in space for whoever knows how many months, and your your move's going to be to try to in- intimidate, flirt with her with basketball? Who also, plays basketball in space? I know a lot of things about future sports. I have one thing gym. I know is that the sport of choice in the future is rollerball. So it's a good point. 100%. But... But in fairness, roller bar court is pretty big. It's a lot harder to have that versus just a hoop that you can throw mm-hmm. to. Got to dedicate space on the ship is all I'm saying. Sure. sure. But in the grand scheme of things, of always the show physical prowess, that just seems like a really odd one in future space. She should have broke somebody's arm like Goldblum in the fly. There we go. That's but a yeah, lot I mean, cooler. I think if there had been like some sort of basketball element in the series up to this point that that would have called back to, it would have made like a hundred and ten percent sense. But in this case, it feels a bit like a, a, a bit of an odd pull. 
Yeah, basketball. Yes. In the Catholicorium. Basketball exists 500 years in the future. Why would it not? I used to play Bill Lambeer's combat basketball on Super Nintendo, and it was dope. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, where is our reboot, our revival of Mutant League football, Sega? I I do feel like we're owed that. But getting Hmm. back to the movie, one of the pirates, Call, played by Winona Ryder, which is incredibly hard to say quickly, apparently. Who knew? Uh, reveals that she was going to kill Ripley because she suspects Ripley 8 may be used to create the Xenomorphs. But she pretty much is immediately stopped by Ripley herself, who's like, what are you going to do to stop me? My blood is acid and I'm super strong. What's your plan? And uh, to, to which call capitulates. But it also is kind of... Ripley kind of gets all up on call, and I'm not trying to say it's sensual, but it feels kind of sensual, right? Is it just French? Ripley 8 is super horny with everybody. She's very touchy-feely. She's got busy hands. I think Ripley 1 was kind of horny. The first thing she did on uh, Fury 161 Monk Prison Planet was try to bang the doctor. Now, wait a minute. Who among us hasn't tried to have sex with Charles Dance upon meeting him? I mean, the uh, fair... Yeah, that's yeah. I still, I went land. He's a classy broad, and none of us are that. (laughs) Oh no! Have you ever seen that guy field strip a dead deer? I have. Oh, (laughs) hey, but no, I think there is some kind of weird vibe there between you know the characters, and I feel like there was supposed to be a kind of something edgy about it, but it doesn't really pay off. Well, it's supposed to be the surrogate angle again, but this movie has no clue how human emotions work. And at every turn, everything is frigging weird and off-putting. So, yeah. So perhaps they completely understand how the French emotions work. <laughs> Certainly how Joss Whedon's emotions <laughs> Yeah, so oh, that's it's a good point. Young actress being <laughs> being cornered by a larger yeah. individual yeah. more, a more senior dynamic. experienced yeah you want you want the best jobs on this ship i can get them for you <laughs> i'm just gonna need something from you first <laughs> oh, gross i mean you're not wrong but still gross anyway uh so Call decides she's not going to murder Ripley because she can't, but also because Ripley isn't really in cahoots with the alien. But then Call is immediately arrested by Dr. Ren. Oh, and I I skipped over perhaps my most favorite part of weird fucking technology, which is the breath detector door unlock. Oh, man. I did like that. I thought that was funny. And of course, I was watching it and I did like the breath test on myself and I was like, huh. So my signature is going to be like whiskey and regret. That's fantastic. <laughs> it is. It's like, you know what? We've done everything else. What else? What can we do? So, yeah, instead of having like a, a retinal scan, yeah. you lean into the, the microphone and go, ha, and yeah. breathe on it. And I guess it detects your breath, which great. So here's what I kind of liked about it, though, because, you know, we've all seen uh, Demolition Man, right? So we know how to beat the retinal scan, right? Yep. We've all seen Spaceballs, so we know how to beat the palm scanner. So how do you how do you incapacitate somebody and then, you know, fake the breath scan? Like, it's like, 
up there and give them the old Heimlich maneuver while they're by the thing. And then they puke on it. And that's going to, you know, that's going to set off an alarm of some kind. Apparently if you're an alien robot, what you do is you have like a key ring full of various sprays and that just does it. Uh She had a lot of Banaka, future Banaka. Yeah. Anywho. Space Banaka. Space Naka. Because she's done this though, Dr. Red, the lead doctor. And I don't, I don't know if he's arguably like, the meanest doctor because brad duriff is still here but you know he's probably a tertiary antagonist uh is going to arrest all of our pirate crew who we mostly like minus john Johnner, and execute them all meanwhile the mature xenomorphs escape confinement by killing off one of their own using its acidic blood to burn through what appears to be at least five levels of the ship which is quite the gambit, given uh, what happens if they stuck these fuckers, like, one hall away from space. Right, they don't know what floor I, they're on. I'm so mad about how they make all these elaborate plans to clone Ripley, to get this queen, to replicate the alien, and they're like, eh, just put it in a metal cage. It's like, did you do no studying? They have the acid-proof suits 200 years in the past. Like, they have the acid-proof material. Do you not remember the guy from AHA who showed up with the camera? He knew what to wear. I don't don't get it. He was in Devo, for the record, and clearly they did not take his advice. Oh, my God. I I will say, (laughs) watching Brad Dourif look at the alien puppet and then kiss it through the glass... It's that's some quality Duraf. Like, good work, Brad. Way, way to do your job. Super creepy, buddy. Who's the you know? Uh... And, and as entertaining and as hammy as that is, it also points to another failing of this movie's script that kind of falls in the dumb side. The bad guys cl- clearly seem bad in this. There's no like ambiguous morality there. Really. Oh no! They, yeah, no. They they, they very. They clearly based the doctors off of do- Nazi doctors and their experience. Yeah, they don't really toy with that. Not, not course, they don't really try either, but it's just like, oh, so we're not even going to hide it this time. Okay. Well, I, you know, I have something interesting about that though, Chumzilla, like so we spent the last three movies establishing that the bad guy is not really the alien, but in fact the, the big multi galactic corporation right it's, it's the companies we made along the way yeah and then we just throw that away for this movie and we're like and now it's the military because the i guess well, it's all the like they just they threw away our bad guy we had one big overarching bad guy which we go back to in the in the prequel movies mm-hmm. and then here we're at the 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 the, the furthest point forward in the storyline and we say that whole bad guy guy corporation well, Wayland Utani is essentially just this, and they always have military it, ties. They're, yeah, they're, they're just a defense be, contractor, yeah. right? They're part of the yeah, military but, industrial complex. The goal is to make it a weapon. So ultimately, like the military industrial complex is behind the whole thing. But no, I just like they don't really they don't really play the cat and mouse game of this one. Which you know, t- to their defense, sure that that might actually work by the fourth movie. Let them be naked aggressors and be the bad guys, but it doesn't necessarily like feel satisfying. And there's I certainly guess. interesting avenues to explore, such as the space pirates, like you know, maybe Elgin's like, you know, don't look at the cargo. It's not our job. 
we deliver the cargo. And then somebody's like, holy shit, we're delivering humans. This is wrong. There's no like, nobody gives a shit. They're always like, all right, let's get drunk now and go back to the basketball court. I don't have a defense for it. Uh, I'll, I'll just candidly say, I do think that trying to play cat and mouse with who's the bad guy in a scenario where they are cloning the aliens and Ripley would be a little like no one's going to buy that the the mad scientists recreating the aliens are the good guys or have good yeah. intentions. So it's I, okay. I think I think they were by this point in time. This this movie is like the we've tread the ground too much anyways. Like I don't think yeah, this movie fair. should have been made. We even said that about three and we'll talk more about that later. But at least three was trying to say something about like how certain lives are considered in comparison to others. And And maybe this is just the natural conclusion, right? Like, like capitalism leads to imperialism and totalitarianism, right? Like maybe, maybe that's what they're trying to to do, but obviously we don't have that conversation. All we have is a throwaway where the guys like, Oh yeah. Waylon Yutani, they don't exist anymore. That's yeah. Honestly. And this goes back to, to the Gibson script, which is the Pat Cadigan novelization of that script. And for some reason, the studio not thinking that uh, Cold War themes would be relevant anymore after, you know, the Berlin Wall fell. But like ideological schisms and, and geopolitical politics are always relevant. And that book and whatever they wrote was just so much more compelling than what you see in this movie. And it would have worked a lot better. So they made two movies using like one that just totally eschewed that script instead of it. And then one that used very similar ideas and is far worse. So uh, it's really weird that you have like this incredible sci-fi writer, write you a script and then just like, Oh, well the cold war is over. So that doesn't matter. It's like, what? The takeaway from where we're at in the plot is the xenomorphs escape. Uh, So they try to evacuate the ship. They mostly fail and people get like eaten in the escape pods, which is pretty rad. Uh, and the in general short, shoulder hair has what I think is one of the dumber deaths because like the alien uses its double mouth to puncture the back of his skull. He reaches back and pulls out a bit of his brain all while the alien just kind of watches like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I ate the back of your head. Anyway. Well, Janelle was very pleased with that shot. He he I, wanted like, to gross people out, and it, he did in the test uh, viewings, and he was surprised they let him keep it in the movie. So it was more like a, ha-ha, I've done it. <laughs> the scene that makes no sense. I, well, uh, you know, in fairness, honestly, the, the pull the brain out is pretty gross and awesome. But that's not something we haven't seen before. Anybody that's seen Peter Jackson's Bad Taste a guy pulling the brains out of the back of his head is a key plot point in that movie. So I always thought that was a bad taste uh, homage. I'm like, oh, nice. Well, as you kind of missed at the beginning, Chubb, so they considered Peter Jackson for this movie. He was uh, one of the people they looked at who... Dodged that bullet, right? Well, yeah, uh, who wants to work with that guy? Well, no, I mean, PJ dodged this bullet. And uh, went on to make uh, arguably and tr- and the, true the story. greatest series of movies ever. After Janot took this meeting and they offered him the movie, he got a call from David Fincher 
And David Fincher said, get the fuck out of there. Run. Just run. Don't do it, man. <laughs> Don't like when, do it. When Fincher gives that to you. But I mean, you have to figure it, you know, it's like, look, I'm going to make a Hollywood movie and take their money. Fuck it. It's fine. But again, I, I still don't dislike this movie, but let's let's finish up the plot. The military scientist, Dr. Wren, reveals that the ship's protocol is such that if it, the default command, if there's an emergency, whatever, is to drive the ship back to Earth. So now, oh, man, we can't unleash all the xenomorphs on Earth. So Ripley 8, the pirates, Wren, and like one of the soldiers who was just along for the ride and... I know based on the notes what his name is. Can any of you name what the one soldier is called? De Stefano. Oh wow, look at you. Yeah, the guy from Breaking Bad. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. also uh, training training day. And yes. the and rock. Yeah, he's a that guy for sure. Like I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but like you immediately recognize him. Yeah, he, he plays a good mercenary for sure. Well, I mean, and I feel the same is true of the the guy who's infected with the alien, one of the cargo who just isn't dead yet, Purvis. Isn't he the I've evil doctor that... from uh from the Bone Collector? Isn't he the Bone Collector? Yeah, uh, Leland Orser is his yeah. name. He's in Taken. He's in Seven. He's in all yeah. kinds of shit. This movie is full of that guys that either later went on to have their day a la Ron Perlman or continue to be that guys and are still getting work. Looking at you, Wincott. You're still the man, though. Uh, along the way, Ripley discovers a laboratory containing all of the previous Ripley's one through seven, uh, and we are treated to some truly grotesque test tube-looking baby things, and we get the uh, what I think is probably the most enduring part of this movie, which is Ripley Seven, who is this completely mutated and mangled creation that begs her to kill herself, that begs yeah. Ripley Eight to kill her. Yeah, we're and back we to the fly Cronenberg yeah, territory here. Yeah, the old kill. Me. I actually, I think this scene is rather inspired, and I, I love oh, all man, the yeah. practical effect work they put into it. It's, it's really well done, and it's, it's one of the only scenes where Ripley's like weird, uh, touchy attachment thing makes any sense. Yeah, and to your kill me point, Captain Cash, it also is a bit of a callback to probably the most famous deleted scene from alien when Ripley is searching the ship and finds the cocooned, uh, semi-conscious corpse, soon to be corpse of Dallas, the captain. Yeah. And he, he asks her to kill him and he, she blow torches him. Yeah. So no, good point. Was, I mean, that's, I, I have to imagine that was partially behind this scene. Yeah. No, excellent point. Post that, the group has to make their way through the damaged ship, which includes a swim through a flooded kitchen. They're chased by two xenomorphs, uh, one of which is killed. The other snatches Hillard. Uh, they escape, but then they encounter a bunch of facehugger eggs, which how do they get there? Or how does that work? Don't worry about it. Yeah, why is the spaceship flooding? It's not a I, submarine. It also is. A, yes. 
But they're in deep space. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. I just, Why yeah. is the spaceship flooding? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Have you seen aliens swim before? That's what we're here to do. Yeah, it was anyway, cool. it was I cool. Mean, it was a cool shot. Wait, I liked it. Now, I liked now it. Let's, just, let's just be clear here. This is definitely a point in the movie where video game logic kicks in, and there's a water level. Water level is always the water worst level. level. I feel like here is where the the CGI because. The, the swimming aliens are clearly completely CGI creations. It's not great, but it's still not terrible. Like, I'm not, like, angry about it. It's 1997 CGI. This is still pretty good looking. They it, just move a little bit. Like, eh, that's not how that would work based on how their, their, their exoskeleton is built. But sure. Yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're, a, little, they're a little swoopy, but it still looks yeah. way better than the dog alien climbing on the ceiling. In the yes, exactly. yes. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with <laughs> yep, it. Yep, yep. No. It it holds up for 1997. Yep, they manage to escape, and then Ren betrays the group, shoots Call, who falls into the water, and then the Xenomorph returns, blinds Christie, who sacrifices himself to save Breeze. Ren escapes, somehow trapping everyone else. But then Call comes back and saves them, and reveals that in fact she is a robot of the whole time, which has made her whole like Ripley, you're a creation, you're not cool. A lot of self-loathing. It's, yeah. Also, this scene just makes me so mad. How did she get there? Why? How did she get there? They all agree. Well, she didn't have to breathe, so she can just walk under the water. It's the only way to get there is the exact way they went. The only way to get there if you have to breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But as a robot, she doesn't have to breathe, so it's fine. Yeah, and, and again, just quickly, as we pointed out before, they don't play the cat and mouse game with the the, the military industrial complex being the true villain. And here, they kind of very quickly just don't even play the cat and mouse game with the oh, is the robot good or bad? No, by the fourth movie, yeah, the robot's kind of bad. I mean, well, she's no, really not the robot's bad. mostly yeah. good. Well, she's yeah, I, good. I, 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 uh, yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, but the reveal—it's just like, ah, well, we're not even going to screw with the reveal. But very clear, she's robot. not a robot because she fakes being drunk to go find Ripley, and then is like, "I must exterminate you." Yeah, so, I, oh, I, I, I don't know how to describe oh, it appropriately. Up with it you. Seems, I think they, but I mean, again, it's purposeful. They just like they just kind of give you that reveal, like, "Ha ha!" Oh, okay, well. That's sort of par for the course. Hey, but when I was going. 14, I thought it was friggin' rad. Yeah. And then five She's years later, I was upset with myself for ever thinking that. You know, but to be fair, I, I totally relate to that because I thought Alien 3 was great when I was younger. Like, I saw zero issues with it as a as an adolescent. And this movie, the first time I saw it was, like, on satellite. And I was like, all right, that was dumb, but it was fun. I didn't judge, I didn't judge it too harshly at the time. But yes, it does Stand not by. hold up. It does not hold up well. Eh, dumb but fun is still fair. Anyway, yeah. Call then uses her robot abilities to make the ship basically set on a collision course with Earth, hoping to completely kill all the xenomorphs that are aboard the ship. Uh, she cuts off Ren's escape route and directs the xenomorphs toward him. Uh, Ripley 8 is captured by a xenomorph while the others head for the Betty. Ren, who is already on board, shoots Purvis and takes Call hostage and demands that she stop the thing from happening. Uh, but Purvis attacks him, and I think we get one of the ratter scenes where Purvis forces Ren's head against his chest, and the chest buster, as it bursts through and kills Purvis, also bursts through per, uh, Ren's head. 
and kills him, which pretty rad. And then the pirate crew basically shoot the the chest burster and everyone else to just a bloody cloud of red. Uh, Ripley is taken to the alien's nest where she finds Brad Dourif still alive, partly cocooned, and just there to give as much exposition as possible to explain what the fuck is happening. The short version of which being the alien, the queen alien only laid a handful of eggs and then for whatever reason uh, now has a more human reproductive system and is about to give birth to the alien, the new alien monster. But I want to ask you guys a real quick question. The alien queen has a, has a like a human-like reproductive system. That seems she... to imply that um, she needed genetic material from somewhere. Yeah. Brad Dourif provided that, didn't he? Yeah. I mean... Yep, definitely. Did you see way... what he was doing to the glass? The way That's I, what I'm saying. In, yeah, the way I interpreted that was that it was the trade-off between cloning Ripley and you know creating the the alien queen from her was that she got alien DNA and it got the human DNA from her. Right. Right. And so in my brain, maybe perhaps naively, I thought that was the that was the DNA exchange there, which allowed her to do some sort of like, you know, asexual reproduction like like the queen normally does. No. But but to bypass the egg laying part and to gestate. She could gestate because she had that ability from Ripley. Now you're implying that she's had sex with Chucky and I'm not comfortable. Well, I think what you're missing Take is that this DNA. Yeah. So, soggy <laughs> boobs Ripley alien. Sa- saggy boobs Ripley alien is actually space Jesus. Uh, uh, oh, no, are no, you implying no, Space Mary? Oh, no, wait, yeah. you know, you're right, you're right, you're right. The Saggy queen is the Virgin is... Mary. Uh-huh, so. Yep, got it. I'm there. Uh-huh, sorry, did it wrong. Makes sense so, because Saggy Boobs Ripley was also a carpenter. So th- this this oh, episode is going to drop on Good Friday, just so we're all clear. Yeah. I, I think, Happy I, Easter, everybody. I, I think I think the Thunderous Wizard just blamed us all on the Space Jews. Absolutely not. If the space Jews get me my laser whiskey, then I'm on Team right? Space Jew. With their space <laughs> Jewish lasers, holy shit! Man, maybe maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene was onto something. Never. Well, get, no, that's, your, get that, that's your last day on the pod. Oh, get the laser whiskey. I'm willing to forgive a lot. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it extends that far. I'm, uh, but laser whiskey. That's very tempting. Yep. Anyway, the uh, the queen then gives birth to what is described as the newborn, which is a grotesque hybrid of a human and an alien. It's got kind of pasty white skin and a skull-like face. Uh, and the newborn immediately kills the alien queen and thinks that Ripley 8 is the mother. She also eats Brad Dourif's head, which is pretty rad to watch frankly mm-hmm. and, the highlight uh, is when it screams not the mama and then <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing to me the timing between dinosaurs and this mm-hmm. that not the mama is absolutely a thing either way yeah. uh, Ripley escapes 
there's a fight as they're now no longer they're aboard the Betty. Ripley uses her acid blood to burn a hole in the window, which then sucks the newborn against the, the window. And we get what was promised in Jason X, but fully realized on screen for what feels like an hour, but might be 90 seconds. Might it's even really be 30 long seconds. Yep. It's a long time watching this thing die in a horrible way as it screams in an incredibly human voice and is deeply disturbing. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it is definitely crack- the part of the movie that sticks with you. Yeah. Like, After, I- between this scene and the lab scene with the failed clones, those are the two vivid memories you will have of this film. Yeah. No matter how much you drink to try to forget it, it's gonna, mm-hmm. it's gonna be there. Yeah. Um, and, and let's just be honest, we don't know this creature long enough for that to be very satisfying or even like, you know, cathartic to have it die in that fashion. It's like, oh man, that is that is metal as fucking wow. Yeah, okay. Again, it there's a lot of the Ripley like Ripley like feels like this connection to this, but you know, it's it's just so poorly done. It's like here, let's have my face as close to this thing that looks like ET. Fuck the Michelin Man as possible. I mean, I guess it's one of those things where it's an abomination, and like, it's she feels kind of bad for it, but she also knows it can't live. So she's like, I'm just gonna murder it, pretty much as painfully and gruesomely as possible because it deserves to die. But I sort of feel bad for it. But well, eh, we we haven't known each other long enough to care. Yeah, all is done at that point is is kill the queen and Doctor Mengele, both of whom are bad guys. They're as bad. far as we know. Yeah, it was space Jesus. It it, it, it seems it seems quasi intelligent. Like it seems to have much more of a human Well, but it appears to have a childlike intelligence more so than any it has of the a alien childlike drones sense we've of seen wonder. before. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be self-aware in a way that we hadn't seen the aliens before. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think there was supposed to be a message there, but I, I couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah, the message is we all die, and sometimes we get sucked out of airlocks. The message is boobs. if your child comes out with soggy boobs and looks like that, you must kill it. And quickly. Sounds <laughs> like a Sparta Ugh. thing. This is like a, this is, it sounds a little French Canadian there. Is that? It's a guess. I'm Guy Fontenot. I'm here to <laughs> extinguish Ripley's fake alien baby. That's good that, yeah, that Guy Fontenot's descendants, you know, after being a fur trapper, uh, came on to, to direct movies. I think that's nice. That's a nice good thing. For them. Definitely. Good for, yeah. good for him. The yeah. Fontenot dynasty lives on. You know, you know how Jeannot's parents made their riches? Pelts and furs. They were hunters. Beaver trapping. Yeah. yeah, they were they were they were beavers, beaver people. All right. Well, the spaceship crash lands on Earth in spectacular fashion to the point where it absolutely causes an extinction event. But that's fine. It's fine. We've already said Earth is terrible. Anyway, Call then asks Ripley eight what she wants to do next, and uh she responds, I don't know. I'm a stranger here myself. The end. Well, yeah. And that, uh, thanks for coming out for Alien Four, everybody. Earth was written into the finale by Joss Whedon. It was cut for budgetary purposes. But again, this movie is so directionless. I feel like what is 
a little bit of action on Earth going to give us. Now, did you guys notice that when when they were approaching Earth, you could see you know the 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 coastline, but what was what was noticeable or hard to see was they actually Florida had a big mustache on it, and they and they CGI'd right over florida's mustache so oh, that's how you yeah. knew it was it was joss's that work. that makes sense yeah mm. it, it, quick cut to the lovely young teenagers hanging out by the lake as jason's mask falls into crystal lake way well, oh different movie same ending same. <laughs> it is wild to me how much this movie seems to be like jason x except the aliens are already in space so you can't do but in space, but they did. This is definitely the Aliens 4 is to Aliens what Alien 3 was to Alien. Every sequel gets worse. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our brothers in pod over at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey everyone, it's the J-Man and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. Every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at wabamentertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. This is our 193rd episode discussing Alien Resurrection. Let's clear up some lingering questions, the first and foremost of which are is there anything that could have fixed this movie? Let's start with Bling Blake. I, I think we all agree that the the script is bad. So from a jumping off point, you're 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 really reaching because as bad as Alien Three was, it gave us kind of a, a arguably perfect Ripley ending. So trying to bring her back, I think, is is the biggest problem that this movie has, and I don't. I guess I'm not really coming up with a solution here because I don't know how you continue this with Ripley other than, and I'm sorry, Sigourney, maybe you don't make it alien resurrection. Like maybe you just tell the story 200 years in the future and give us a new heroine and make this story better. Because again, oh. I think, I, I think our, our, one of our complaints with alien three was that it kind of like, disenfranchised Ripley a little bit and and maybe in some sense Joss was trying to to give her that back that that yeah. agency that badass I, I definitely 100%. feel like that's what happened here where uh, there was like you robbed Ripley of what was the happy ending in two and, and it, it was just it was so bleak well it wasn't yeah. just the happy ending it's the, not only does she have the happy she survives and perseveres in like a triumphant heroic fashion in alien two but then she, her arc is undone in alien three right so it's it's like mm. a double whammy it's like it's bad enough that they didn't like can they didn't just cap it off at the high point technically of, of, of aliens 
then they just backtrack her 100% and make her an idiot in the third movie. So this was redemption for her. And I, I 100% think Whedon knew what he was doing when he did that. And, okay, good idea. But I, I got to admit, I had not considered this until you just mentioned it right now, Bling. That is an excellent idea to have the, the franchise kind of handed off to the next heroine. That would have been pretty pretty rad, too, in the fourth one. I'll accept that as your answer, Chumzilla. Thunderous Wizard. Okay, so the biggest issue with this movie for me is that, yes, it, it looks fine. Uh, the cast is fine. You know, Blake just mentioned that the script isn't very good. And that's because this feels like a generic horror movie sequel. Uh, it's got some cool kills, but there's no tension. It just expects that you know that people will die, so it's going to do it in cool ways. So all the atmosphere is just gone. Like the magic and, and like the terror of Alien and the not knowing. And then, you know, Aliens carries that through too because there's scenes that are really, 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 uh, you know, for example, the, the face hugger in when Nude is taking a nap. That comes out of nowhere, right? Like that scares the shit out of you. And this movie's just like, hey, look, we got we got better technology now. We're just going to kill a whole bunch of people and it'll look really cool. That's not what Alien was ever about. So, like yeah. even Alien Three, which if you watch the assembly cut, it the scene where it kills um, Charles Dance's character is stronger because it shows like the crazy guys seeing the alien coming, and they show the bed get like really heavy and the mattress sink to the floor, and then you see it, it like a reflection of it in the metal uh, doctor's pan. There's none of that here. There's none of that yeah. really cool stuff. Everything is so like. This guy's a moron, and wait, wait till you see how he does something really stupid to die. For example, yeah. Elgin has a gun, and he basically follows a bunch of guns down a hallway like a trail of crumbs. And it's like, what is this dipshit doing? Yeah, like you, you're just setting up a kill to set up a kill, so you can then pull out the half piece of the body. And, and again, I think that is also a deconstruct, probably a purposeful deconstruction of the previous films. They don't play the cat and mouse with the the military industrial complex angle. Winona Ryder's reveal is is not like a big secret either. That which were all you know hallmarks of the previous films, effectively. Um, and then the, so this movie kind of does just give you those those awesome kills, but just gratuitously without as much significance and definitely none of the tension. And I think you make a really good point about this, the face hugger scene in Aliens with Newt. And how that movie, even though we've already seen the alien, and in this movie there's several, and they don't necessarily hide them from us, there's still plenty of tension in the film. I mean, a lot of people remember the the space marine scenes from Aliens and think about the trackers and and the cool guns. Yes, but they forget about not just that scene with the face hugger and Newt, but her whole sequence in the sewer when the alien uh -huh. kind of quasi yes. stalking her, and that scene of it coming up behind her and through, kidnapping through the water, her, yeah, through the water. That was pretty rad. And even in a movie where you've already seen the creature, that was still a very tension building, cool, scary scene. The and this movie scene, does none of that. And the Ripley, queen scene too. Yep. You know, and by the way, that this is the same queen. They reused the model, they repainted it. Uh, yep. they were and which is a the, bitchin' model for the, the record. Queen scene Excellent here is choice. just it's whatever, because it's, it's like, hey, look. It's not much of a reveal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You see it. Uh, yeah, so lacking that tension, that's just not aliens to me. And no movie's gotten it since. So it's not like I, I, hey this, man, this franchise has been cursed since Cameron made aliens. Well, like let's it, be fair though. I mean, you've got you've got two great directors back to back, Ridley Scott and Cameron, right? I mean, those guys, the, the those guys are no chumps. 
But then you get so. Fincher, and they were at the beginning of their careers too. So it's yeah, it just kind of sucks. Jano won an Oscar. All I'm trying to say, but fair. I do think you're hitting on what is the key problem without actually addressing it. And hearing you guys say it, I, I just thought of it now. It's I don't actually care about most of these characters, right? Like Ripley Eight is cool, and it's great to see Ripley back again. But that's not. Ripley, it's yeah. the eighth clone of Ripley, who's part alien, and I mean, and she acts Sigourney. different than and she the does, human one. She does yeah. not behave like Ripley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still Sigourney Weaver, so it's, the nostalgia factor kicks in. Yeah, no, but, it, it does. No, and I'm not trying to say that's not there, but like, but any still, of the yeah. other characters, maybe Call is sympathetic. Maybe these are but stock even then, Yeah, they're yeah. they're stock cannon fodder characters. You've got the asshole. You've got his running buddy. You've got the gruff, tough captain who's not to really be trusted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do appreciate that they kill the captain almost immediately. Which, yeah, it was a pretty solid subversion. But it still would have been way cooler to have him in the movie longer. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I'll take Wincott how, however long you want to give him to me. Just mm-hmm. give me his great. He just didn't have enough lines. Honestly, I'm, su- I'm surprised they went with him dying first instead of the dude, Christy, who hadn't really done a whole lot yet. He winds up being on CSI forever, but uh, he would have been the guy that I thought would go first because this movie he's is black. A generic. Yeah, movie, black and guy dies first. <laughs> yeah, and they don't even kill the red shirt first, which is and, like Destino's around till the end, and he's he makes it to the end, right? Yeah, total red shirt. And you know, I think the cool thing about saving Christie was that he got to like you know he was kind of the the he had the cool uh, arm guns, right? Yeah, because uh, I think one of the best action sequences in the movie is the shootout in the cafetorium when they avoid getting executed. No, but then he gets to kind of be the hero and you know sacrifice himself to to save the crew, and that was a nice little yeah. turn for him because I would have normally gone to Scarrett or Elgin yeah. or, or whoever. Has, right? has anybody loved ricochets more than whoever decided we should have two bullet ricochets in, in one action movie? Well, they set it up with the first one, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, set up it was like his, it was his stick, it was his dead shot moment. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask the next question. Which I demand we ask every time on the Xenomorph flops. Should this have killed the Alien franchise? I mean, I I guess because we're at the end, right? Uh, the the only thing I think that sucks is that like if it doesn't kill the Alien franchise and we do get Ripley back for this movie, why do we have an open ended Ripley story? Like it didn't kill the franchise. So should it have probably, but it didn't, and yet we st- and we still don't know the end of Ripley's story. And there's been two more movies, and that is the I, part that's really criminal to me. I would argue we know the end of Ripley's story. We don't know the end of Ripley Eight's story. Oh, I do. Right. She she gets an apartment with the newborn. It's called Saggy Bosom Buddies. Ripley Ripley and the newborn just hanging. Uh, so here's what I would say. I was really hard on three. Uh, three is way better than this. And since three was a natural segue to be done with the franchise, <laughs> this movie should have never happened. We wouldn't even be having this discussion. So ipso facto, yes? Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Chumzilla? Uh, yeah. Again, it just shows they ran out of good ideas again. 
twice in a row now they couldn't do anything meaningful with the ip and they but they're the all to the wrong place the gibson script there's so many great ideas in there i'm halfway through the novelization yeah. of that and um, it's so much better than everything we got it, and just to prove that yes is the correct answer i mean look at where the the ip went after this they went straight to the generic action genre of avp the freddy then, versus jason well because it's just yeah. another shitty horror yeah. movie sequel now i like freddy versus jason a lot better than alien versus predator because it knows not to take itself seriously yeah but... it, yeah and, and then you know those those movies basically are in their own universe completely completely rewriting except both franchises use, except they use Wayland yutani they still do yeah yeah but that's really the only you know through line they pull and then and then you go straight into ridley scott's not prequel stuff that is is effectively in the same universe but only in the loosest well, of fashions let's let's be fair here because that's captain cash's favorite movie so we shouldn't say anything should have killed the franchise before we get to prometheus because that is his favorite most scientifically sound movie ever to be released 100 percent. every sequel gets worse this should have killed the franchise. Uh, I like this movie. To be completely clear, I like this movie. I like this better than three. Yeah, I, I don't like it better than three. I think it's a I like. I don't think it's. I like it better than three. It's not a better no. movie than th- like I can. It's, recognize... it's more fun. It's more fun than three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. One hundred percent. And it's an alien movie. Like yes, it 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 feels like an alien movie. It's not a good one, but it feels like it. Whereas, you know, Fincher's film is a very well shot, thoughtful film, just not a great alien movie because it's yes. kind of boring. Fair enough. Now, departure from alien questions. Let me simply ask this. If you could have one action flick resurrected, but good, like it's it doesn't suck. It's not a bad movie. But you could have one action series brought back. What would it be? Oh, well, geez. Chumzel and I talked extensively about this on the pod. It's just criminal that we never got a sequel to From Paris with Love. He could have went to any European city and murdered a bunch of people, and I would have watched it. I would have watched Berlin, Frog with, with Love. love. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Berlin. there should have been a bunch of those. I did a John I did a John Travolta impersonation today at the store with my daughter. It was not from Wait, wait. On, it was not on, Charlie Wax. <laughs> on purpose. Let's hear it. Yeah. Were you the boy in the bubble? <laughs> it's it's not even a good one, but it Sandy. Oh, so, no. I got so, you. So the, to be clear, the clerk knew had no fucking idea what you were doing. <laughs> the clerk, the clerk was an older, it was older than me, and it was the hippie and his hippie wife at the hippie store in Lebanon, Ohio. And okay. uh, I'm not worried about them listening to this podcast for sure. But yeah, they, I definitely, I, well, there was a, look, here's what it was. It was a, uh, <laughs> it was a, oh, uh, shit, why am I blanking on her name? Um, Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Thank Newton-John. you, golly. There was an Olivia Newton-John prayer candle in the store, and I really <laughs> wanted to buy it. Okay. And so, then I said, Sandy. So follow-up question. Did you point at that item and go, that's the one that I want? <laughs> <laughs> Honey. I did, I did not. I did not. But I really miss the opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'll go back yeah, tomorrow. I'll go back okay. tomorrow. Hey, it's please do. Thank Please God. do. Thank God. 
video yourself. It's important. So was the answer from Paris with love from the Thunderous Wizard? Bling Blake, is there one you would resurrect, assuming it would go better than this film? You know, I think what this probably would have been a better, uh, probably a sitcom than than really a, a, a movie. We'll take uh, it. I would have loved to have seen like the John Spartan Chronicles uh, after, you know, Simon Phoenix is dead in Demolition Man. Be well. Some some Demolition Man resurrection. Like maybe like a little like, 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 like an odd couple of like Stallone and Dennis Leary being roommates and solving future crimes together in the not so perfect San Angeles future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can they I have an episode where Armand Asante shows up as his long lost brother? Rob Schneider's there as a stapler. Yeah. Take this Taco Bell sample. Yeah. <laughs> Take these three shells. Uh, I, I my real answer would have been True Lies, but. Oh, oh hey, well, you got you got the great CBS show. Where yeah. do we get the recommendations tonight? Again, wait. Uh, any CBS executive, if you're listening to this, call up Vince McMahon. He's back in charge. Hell in a cell. I'm going to fucking destroy you. Stop touching <laughs> Arnold properties or I will find you. You could get Alyssa Milano. She's an adult and she could be your resurrection sequel. She's the spy now. Her yeah. husband has no idea. Well, That first, could work. First of all, <laughs> Alyssa Milano was commando. It's Eliza Dushku. <laughs> oh, wow. Either way, sorry. Same, same thing, though. It is, yeah, it's Count Dushku. Excuse me, I'm confusing my brunettes that were children in the late 80s, early 90s. My bad. Um, Look, it's not going to be a recommendation, so I'm just going to say this right now. It's, it's not that bad, T-Dubs. Matthew Lillard is a treasure. Lillard is a treasure. I, That's fair. Oh, my God. I swear. God, the next time I see you. <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. What's Elijah Dushku doing, though? Let's get her. She can be the spy. Her husband can be the not, like, the, the unaware one. It would make for a good resurrection. That's a great choice. Jamzilla, you got anything to add? Yeah, you know, there's definitely one action movie that I've just been dying to see a sequel to. Much like Paris, or from Paris with Love. I don't think we'll ever see one, but it'd be great if we did. You know, that, that movie from 1999, The Matrix. Like that was great. It was just, it just, it's just sad. They only made one. I don't know why. I Damn like shame the they never fourth made a Matrix. We did the fourth Matrix, and I like that movie. There's nothing Keanu can do that will upset me. Yeah, I, I just wish they would have made a good sequel to that. I'll give you this second and third one are hot shit. They get worse. The second one was okay. That was a movie. The third one's like, what the fuck are we doing here? That was no. just sheer. That was a fever dream of and the Matrix is already a fever dream, but that yeah. was that was not next level. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. There's two things Chumpzilla likes: leather and the internet. So we know they really combined. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just saying. For me, give me the Thirteenth Warrior sequel. Just oh, let Jesus. me have it, you I sons of bitches. I'm right there with you, Captain Cash. It's not like a near and dear movie to my heart, but I'm with you. That was a good movie. Let, I, I love that movie, but there's no sequel. There's no sequel. Sure there I, is. It's Beowulf. Give me the fire dragon that somehow Antonio and Banderas now has to fight. I'm there for it. Hey, well, I'm in. He's yeah. pussing boots. He can do no wrong. Yeah. Puss and boots is you. amazing. 
McTiernan needs work. So <laughs> Michael yeah. Crichton can't get in your way anymore. McTiernan, he's dead. It's all you now. Yeah. Would you like Banderas as, you know, in, in the 13th or the, I don't know, the 14th warrior? Is that what we do? Like Ocean's 12, Ocean's yes, 13? Yes, that's 100% yeah, okay. what we do. The 14th so, warrior. So you want Banderas as the 14th warrior even now? Oh, especially now. Are you kidding me? No, no, have I'm you, sorry. Have you watched Piss, Puss in Boots the last have I, week? I've been drinking too much. I was trying to really enunciate that. I said, even, even. now. Ah. Uh, it, sorry, I just got to get my last dad joke. So, let, let so, me just tell you, Senorita. As, yes. <laughs> and then we will have gazpacho, and it will be lovely. As if his uh, John Travolta <laughs> impersonation wasn't dad enough. He does the even word. Play. Even. Wow. All right. So, last two questions, and we're going to get on to the kill me trivia challenge. One. What was the best xenomorph kill? To be clear, I mean, what is the best kill where an alien kills something else? I will allow that the newborn is an alien or a xenomorph, if you will. Chumzilla. I mean, it's got to be where the dude gets the back of his skull punched out and he like reaches back to realize it. Because we haven't really seen... Like, I don't even know what you call that, that little bit of, like, the the double take. All the kills in the franchise up to this point have either been, like, quick, like, headshots with the cutaway, and you don't see a lot of gore, or you see, like, a, a snatch and grab, right? You yeah, never really a lot of that. And, and you do in the third movie, you know, again, I still don't quite understand it, but it's there. You see the alien eating its victim, so there's a little more gore. But you don't get a lot of that. So that was probably, to me, that was cool because it was a, what, another first in the franchise where you see the victim, like, conscious of the fact, like, oh, something just happened, man. Whoa. You know? So I, I like that. It was something different. We hadn't seen it before. Blink, blink. Well, for me, even though it was completely stolen from a Van Damme movie, but for me, it's when the Xenomorph... Uh, uses the, the 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 freezing gas function and to kill oh, the guards yeah which yeah, was yeah. which is totally ripped off from time cop but still whatever uh time cop or demolition man time cop <laughs> did it demolition man did it Terminator i think time cop did it first <laughs> yeah yeah it might have uh, been uh the, yeah when they get in a fight in the in the uh the liquid nitrogen plant right i think it's what it is yeah Either, it doesn't matter uh but yeah i thought that one was cool because it was like because the xenomorph did it, but I think it's the first time we've ever seen the xenomorph like use a tool to Agreed. kill something. Like, so I thought that was kind of neat. It was like a, a unique one. It learned, right. yeah. Like, I, 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 that was one of like when the movie was actually working for me, and it learns like, oh, but for me, it's got to be the baby chest burster bursting through the dude's face. Ooh, yeah, I kind of got to go with you. That one was dope. Yeah, but yeah. see, I didn't know if that, like, I don't know if that one counts because, like, somebody used a xenomorph to kill somebody uh, rather than the xenomorph was actively it killing counts. something. It's it's heading somewhere. You just got to point it in the right direction. Look, look. No, oh, okay, okay. Fair, fair. So, so now xenomorphs don't kill people. People wielding xenomorphs kill people. Well, let's be fair. The bone collector we know is a murderer anyway, so... The xenomorph is the problem. 
it's not the individual wielding the xenomorph. It's the Z- fact that the xenomorph was available to use. Nope. I'm say that now. Xenomorph like control time. laws don't work. If you outlaw xenomorphs, then only outlaws will have xenomorphs. <laughs> nothing will, nothing yeah. stops a bad guy with a xenomorph like a good guy with a xenomorph. If you right? pass... If you pass incubation, conceal, and carry laws, everybody's going to be walking around with a xenomorph in their chest. Mm -hmm. So, and you won't even know it, right? You won't even know. Don't do it. It's going to keep space safe. Next thing you know, it's going to bite your boss's dick off. So, (laughs) that won't be good. Sorry, boss. Unless you don't like them. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. I mean, sounds like the fastest way to a promotion to me. All right. So, let's switch the question around. What is the best death of a xenomorph? So not uh, where one of the aliens kills someone, but where one of the aliens is killed, and we will go in reverse order. Thunderous Wizard. Ooh, this is tough. Uh, I actually like when uh, when Buster Douglas punches out the, the queen, <laughs> knocks its jaw off its face. Ooh, it's a sick right hook. Yeah. I mean, the newborn swatting the upper face of the queen alien off is pretty spectacular. Fair enough. Bling Blake. Uh, I think it has to be when old shoulder hair shows off his bowling skills and rolls that grenade into the escape pod and gets him, you know, with like right before he dies, right? The last thing he does is takes out, takes out homeboys, uh, you know, bat buddy. How, it is amazing kill. to me. The, I, I don't even, it, it's Buster Keaton esque. How it just the grenade bounces around for a full twenty seconds. Like, is it gonna go in? It does. Dude, try to roll the rugby ball on its side in a straight line for thirty yards. Yeah, no, can't do it. Here's what I'm gonna tell you: the Venn diagram between people with the mint shoulder hair and people that are good at bowling gotta be one to one. Complete one circle. I'm doing the thing on my face again where the two circles are stacked. I know, but still, it's gotta be. I. You know what? I am willing to allow they had a basketball court on the ship. There's probably a bowling alley too somewhere. We just didn't see And it. he he played Nixon once in uh I think uh what was that that movie called was it Dick? Where uh Michelle Williams and uh There might be the one Nixon the first, movie I haven't seen. The first Mary Jane Watson are uh, deep throat. Didn't he play ah. Nixon in that movie? Nixon put the bowling alley in the White House, so yeah, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Chumzilla, your favorite xenomorph death. I can't believe I'm the first one to say this, but I'm going to go with the uh, the generic answer since you left the door open for the hybrid counting as a xenomorph. Is, yeah, it was pretty cool seeing that thing get sucked out in that gruesome, oh horrifying fashion. Oh. Like, again, oh. it was something we hadn't seen before. And yeah. uh, I mean, and we're familiar with the concept of, you know, stuff getting sucked into space because that's kind of how the aliens die in the first two movies. They get sucked into space effectively into the vacuum of space. But this just takes that concept uh, and, and you know turns it up to, to a 11. gruesome new height. Yeah, yeah, no, like, and it was and it was truly horrifying. I'm not sure it really worked in the movie, but as a standalone kill, it's pretty awesome. Fair I did enough. I'd enjoy that one. It is. It is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So here's my final question before we take a break and come back with the trivia challenge of the deaths. Which do you think are more memorable, stacked one against the other? The deaths that the xenomorphs commit or the deaths that kill the xenomorphs themselves? 
I think the aliens did more van damage than than uh, I, I'm not. I'm not asking for a body count. I'm asking for which is more memorable. I think of the are. deaths. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think there's. Okay. They cut. They cut the dude from the crow in half. Uh, you get that cool scene of Brad Dorf getting dragged through the hole by his head. Okay, yeah, I give. I give it to them. The you know, the newborn bites Brad Dorf's face off. Oh, the, the back part of his, his head, head off. off. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think they. I think they win, pound for pound. Well, I think that's it, right? Like you, your your body count is like so. There's there's we know there are twelve aliens on the ship. Yep. So there, there, there's 12, 12 13 with there. the newborn. Yeah. So there's 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 13 alien deaths. I don't think we see all of them. Mm. No, uh, no. Yeah. But but there's got to be what? Like 49. 49 uh, crew 49 deaths? plus the pirate crew. I feel like it's the aliens getting killed in this that is the more memorable. From the swatting the head off the queen alien the hybrid getting sucked out the vent to, I mean, even the, the missile that gets shot through the water and explodes the one alien in the kitchen scene. So that's pretty tight. And we didn't even mention the, the ricochet grenade into the alien egg, which is also, which is rad, which, you know, the face hookers are all hatching and he bounces it off the thing into one of the eggs and they all blow up. That was pretty cool. How come there were like nine explosions for those two grenades though? That was another thing out. Like are the, the face huggers are they is there a they have an accelerant inside the, po- the Yeah, that egg, that flame or? that that uh, slime is flammable. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's solvent based. Hey, hey Cash, you you brought up a second ago. You said 49. Is that from the number when they said like this is the USM Yeah, 42 Oriaga. military 7 scientists. scientists. So yeah. they just find because I, I pay attention to that too, and I was like, so there's a ship that's so big, it has a landing bay for other ships. It is a massive like this is like like a imperial uh, cruiser sized ship with fifty motherfuckers on board. Come on, man, you couldn't run like, a kitchen for a boat that big with fifty people. That ain't no kitchen staff, Hoss. Right? Like, you see how big, first of all, they swam through a kitchen. So, what do you need a kitchen that big for 50 people? When you have an AI called Father, basically a lot can happen. Especially if you start to call the ship Daddy. Daddy. Daddy, what's going on? Oh, all right. I'm we are going to take a break and we will come back with the Kill Me trivia challenge. Welcome back to the 193rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are talking Alien Resurrection, and we are on to the Kill Me Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, you will be playing for the secondary jaw of the alien Ripley removes from that first alien as a souvenir. It is mostly latex and deteriorated and fairly floppy. I mean, I'm just assuming that was straight up a sex toy after that, right? I mean, Why was that so? Uh, that that bugged me. How limp that thing was. You would prefer <laughs> a much more turgid. Well, there, it's very clear that that there's bones in there. It's part well, of like the exoskeleton. I, no, see, that's the thing though. Exoskeleton is not bones. 
I assume that much like a spider, that the thing that keeps it, you know, rigid is the fact that it's got the acid blood in it and keeping it engorged. So once it's been broken off and the <laughs> vessels are open. Like a penis. Like Somebody, a penis. Somebody's <laughs> been to their doctor after four hours a couple of times. <laughs> engorged? How long have you been waiting? Like, I, it took you 193 episodes to say engorged on this podcast. I'm proud of you, buddy. Good job. Yeah, thanks. Hey, I'm pretty sure Captain Cash had turgid. So, like, I felt it was par for the course. You're welcome. That's what yeah. we're here for. The mm-hmm. the SAT vocabulary questions and the alien sex toys. All right. Well, I mean, or or use it how you want. I'm, I'm not particular. Yeah. Either way, you're going to win. Dealer's choice. Yep. So... Any of the, st- the standard podcast things uh, or the chime-ins will work uh, or any line you'd like from the film. Question one. Sigourney famously made the no-look-behind-the-back basketball shot. How many tries did it take her to make the shot? Is it A, 1, B, 4, C, 6, or D? Trick question, she didn't. That's why the ball leaves the frame, you dummies. I'm going to shoot this DNA sample. Oh, uh, take giving it to Blink Blake. I, I believe it was an the, the answer of one was an urban legend. So I'm going to go with six. C. you are wildly out of nowhere. Correct. It was six. Yes. Apparently, the director gave her look because, I mean, they're shooting on film. It isn't free to shoot this in the way it would be with digital film. You got six tries. If you do it, go ahead. If you notice, they also immediately cut once the ball sinks. Yes. Everybody lost their shit. Exactly. <laughs> but for a bonus point, who particularly lost their shit to ruin the shot? Farts and tarts. Giving it, well. Oh, I'll, it, I'll it give goes it to Chumzilla. No, no, uh, I'll give it to Chumzilla. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. That it is correct. That it was going to be my guess, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, he was absolutely floored when she made it. Famously, lost his shit. Looked directly at camera and went, <laughs> "Holy shit!" <laughs> I'm pretty sure he also yelled, "World star!" But uh, good for you, Perlman. Good for you. That's in the director's I mean, cut. Honestly, nailed it. All right, question two. When Vries appears, he says, "Who were you expecting, Santa Claus?" Who was the original mythical character? Because it was not Santa Claus. Was it A, the Tooth Fairy? Was it B, the Easter Bunny? Was it C, a Leprechaun? Or D, your mother? Farts and tarts. Give it to the Thunderous Wizard. Your mother. It was not your mother. Damn it. Jada! Uh, I'm going to shoot. All right, Chumzilla. Tis the season. I'm going to go with the Easter Bunny. You are correct. It was, in fact, the Easter Bunny. Apparently, Ooh, yeah. the uh, the running gag in the behind the commentary was uh, the actor had trouble saying the Easter Bunny and instead said the Eastern Bunny, which caused the rest of the cast to laugh at it. So they had to change it because they couldn't not crack up. I'm not well-traveled is... Is the Easter Bunny a thing in France or other parts of the world? I presume the Easter Bunny exists. It's more saying the Easter. I don't know how to say Easter in French, but I assume it's not Easter. 
Yes, not Easter. Oh, whatever dang. it might of be. Of course, they indoctrinate children in France. I thought for sure, Captain Cash, with that question, you were setting up the hypothetical scenario from Chasing Amy. I really but, considered it when I wrote that. I'll yeah. be honest with you. Moving on to question three. The character of Dr. Wren, the principal antagonist, not Brad Dourif. Sorry, tertiary antagonist, not Brad Dourif character of the Doctor uh, who is with the pirate crew as they try to navigate the ship, was written for what actor in the hopes of reuniting him with Sigourney Weaver? Was it A, Bill Murray? Was it B, Harold Ramis? Was it C, Gerard Depardieu? Or was it D, Kevin Klein? I'm going to shoot. All right, Bling Blake. They were going full camp on this. I'm going Bill Murray all the way. Bill Murray is correct. Yes. Wow. I would have I thought Depardieu, although I don't know what movie they were in together, just because of the French connection. Can't be two French guys in one American movie. 1776 is your answer. There can always be more than one Frenchman if, if, if Guy Fontenot's long-lost <laughs> grand grandchild is at the helm. <laughs> great, 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 great grandchild. If you, you look right. at my alien egg, you will die. <laughs> All right. So currently, it is two to Bling Blake, two to Chumzilla, zero to the Thunderous Wizard. On to question four. How much was Sigourney Weaver paid for appearing in this film? Was it A, 10 million, B, 11 million? C, 12 million, or D, 13 million dollars in 1997 money, mind you. Be the asshole robot? Be the new asshole model? All right, bling Blake. What was the high one again? High one was 13. <laughs> that one. That is not correct. Ah, damn. Ponytails, cocktails. All right, Chumzilla. <laughs> wait, sorry. Thunderous Wizard. So I know she was paid four for three. So I'm going to go with 12. Three times Ooh. what she was paid. You were close, but you are incorrect. Well, uh, that leaves me to steal farts and tarts. Uh, I believe B was $11 million. That is correct. I'm going to go with $11 million. You are correct, Chumpzilla. It was $11 million she was paid to start on this. And you know what's really sad about that? What's really sad about that is that she deserved more for being in this garbage, but I'm glad she got a raise over three. Additional fun fact. She also got points on three, so. 11 million million was the budget of the original Alien. That's amazing. So, you know, good for her. Yeah. All right. Last question, and Bling Blake, you have a chance to spoil it and tie, in which case you're going to have to split the sex toy. I mean, third mouth of the alien, whatever. Anyway. Wouldn't uh, be the first time. Who is the face on the money that is paid to Elgin by General Shoulder Hair? Is it A, Richard Nixon? Is it B, Paul Reiser? Is it C, Jean-Pierre Genot? Or is it D, Bill... Paddle Alto? Ponytails Cocktails. Yeah, the Thunderous Wizard. I'm going to go with the name you couldn't pronounce, Bill Paddle Alto. That seems like the right right answer. Son of a bitch, you're correct. (laughs) Bill 
bad Alano. Bad, bad, bad Al, bad, bad Alato. Yeah, yeah. Well, who the fuck know. is that guy? He's the producer on this goddamn thing. I, I wouldn't they, trade those for a bison they, buck in, they, at, they at all. Sigourney Weaver and bison bucks. <laughs> Absolutely. Five that, British pounds. It was pounds. the most bison, like, it's Battle bucks. <laughs> way, way worse return than the yeah. bison bucks. But Only worth two British pounds. These are better than money. They'll get you free movie tickets to every AMC in the continental United States. <laughs> I was really just waiting for our favorite uh, criminal defendant to be one of the options, and Donald Trump did not come up on the list. So then I got I got stuck there. I'm sorry. Uh, happy indictment day to those who celebrate. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but with that, Chumzilla, you are the winner. Congratulations! Wow. Oh. I will uh... send you that weirdly limp, but also semi turgid. Definitely not a sex device. Secondary jaw of an alien. I wish it was made out of the non-porous, like high-quality silicone. You know, stuff that's safe for anal play. If anybody can make it erect again, it's Chumpzilla. Oh yeah. Do you guys assume, like I do, that that all of the alien sweat slash slime is just lubricant? It's just lube, no, right? It's just no, a lot I, of lube. You're not you're not wrong. I believe it's famously noted that at least on the first film, and I think the second as well, that that is like KY jelly. Straight up KY. Yeah. The, yeah, that is straight up KY that they're that they're gooping if on. If anyone things. would know that, it's absolutely you, Chumzilla, in fairness. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, thank These you. Aliens... I'm going to enjoy this prize for sure. Yeah, excellent. These aliens were just super wet and it was weird. So let's get on to our recommendations and we'll close out the pod. Let's give it to Bling Blake. What is your recommendation this week? Well, obviously, uh, I've got to recommend uh, the Paramount Network's uh, reboot of True Lies, uh, first and foremost. There we go. Just uh, <laughs> I have not watched it. It was on it was on at the bar the other night and it was on silent. And I just kept seeing Matthew Lillard and being like, oh, I'm going to make. I'm gonna make Thunderous Wizard so upset. When what I talk kind about of this. bars are you going to? That awesome ones. On? <laughs> I mean, come, come hang out in Lebanon. You'll you'll find out. It was at the Elks Club. Um, no, my uh, recommendation, and I'm probably gonna steal uh, Thunderous Wizard recommendation here. I got two. Um, the first one is John Wick Four. Uh, T Dubs, if you're gonna talk about it, I'll just leave it at that and let you get into it. But uh, it's awesome it's john wick it's so phenomenal um go out see it pay money uh as much as chumzilla does not like the matrix uh sequels the john wick sequels are just phenomenal and keanu's a treasure so um yeah he is if, if you if you like bang bang shoot him ups there's no better than uh than john wick four and my other one is uh, a documentary that you can find on Netflix right now that I caught on an airplane um, and then watched again because it was so good. And it's called, uh, oh, shoot, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get it right or not. I think it's called Facing Nolan. Um, and it's a documentary about Nolan Ryan, who I can see by the confused look on your face, Captain Cash. Uh, no, he throws, he throws the ball. He, he <laughs> fast throws the ball. He throws the ball real fast. He also throws the fist real fast on Robin Ventura's face, which they do uh, talk about in the in the documentary uh, briefly. But yeah, if you're a, a fan of baseball, uh, especially 
of one of the greatest pitchers of all time, Nolan Ryan. Um, I cannot recommend facing Nolan enough. Again, it's free on Netflix, so check it I out. I refuse to watch a sports movie until it's about the big unit. Wait, I mean, that guy killed a bird. With a baseball. Man, I tell you it's what. Amazing. So it's one of my, like, holy I mean, grails. The bird, but yeah. Sorry. But no, uh, it's one of my holy grails of lost media. Uh, Randy Johnson did a commercial for like the MLB network where he was talking about like he was working on a new pitch and he was rolling the ball on the back of his palm. And he's saying like, yeah, I've been working on this new pitch. You know, uh, batters don't like Mr. Snappy. And then they showed a bunch of clips of him just throwing wild pitches or throwing behind a batter and people ducking and getting out of the way. And then one of the announcers goes like, oh, God, it looks like it came off the back of his hand. It's a great commercial. I thought it was a Nike commercial for many years. I was trying to find it, but I couldn't find it anywhere on YouTube or anywhere on the net. And then finally, I found like a lost media or like baseball subreddit that mentioned the same question and somebody answered, no, it wasn't a Nike commercial. It was an MLB network commercial and it's lost to the sands of time. But that, that was a classic. Hitters don't like Mr. Snappy. Anyway, sorry. So that's a great segue into my recommendation, Captain Cash. And this is a fun one. Um, I wanted to recommend Lovecraft Country because I finally got around to watching all of that the other day, the only season of Lovecraft Country. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, you know, it it was a little uneven, but it really started to kind of pick it up. I think about midway through it, I'm like, okay. Uh, but you know, Jonathan Major is a little problematic at the moment, but it's free on Tubi because it's canceled. So it's uh, oh it's, wow, you can't even watch it on HBO Max anymore. I, I think you can do both, probably. Oh, I don't okay, know, fair. but it's definitely free on Tubi now. So that's why I saw it. It's pretty good, but I won't recommend it until uh, until that's all resolved. But anyway. Um, here's a fun connection to the Alien franchise and a pod favorite movie for my recommendation this week, and that is uh, the 11th episode of the fifth season of The X-Files. The episode is entitled Kill Switch, and it's basically like a Matrix ripoff. Uh, Mulder gets trapped in some kind of virtual reality thing and has to get saved. You know, it's pretty wild, but here's the cool thing. It was written by William Gibson, hence the cyberpunk angles, and it was directed by Rob Bowman from Airborne and the X-Files movie. That cut is so deep, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to bleed out on the floor. Yeah, I'm sorry. But anyway, it's free on Amazon Prime, and I caught it because they're currently airing the X-Files in their entirety in in order on Comet, which is an over-the-air channel. That I watch every afternoon. So I caught. Oh, jeez, is, is this a new Tubi? No, well, no, it's just, all right. Kind if of. we get comment anyway, this time, hey, we should. Where to God? It's a weird. I cannot pay channel. my mortgage in Tubi bucks. I mean, comment dollars are worth at least Tubi one. I'm sorry, one comment dollar is worth at least two Tubi bucks. Two of your British wow. pounds. They're yeah, they're worth Jesus at least a, one and a half but, uh, bala talacho dollars. But no, it's a good episode. And a fun fact, the next episode, the 12th episode in that fifth season is Bad Blood, which is one of my all-time favorite episodes of the X-Files. Uh, that's the one with, uh, oh, what's his name? Not, um, uh, with Taylor Swift, right? No, uh, you know, Owen Wilson's brother. Luke Wilson? Yeah, that guy. He's wow. In it. Yeah, wow. He's in it. It's a great episode. So those two are good back-to-back if you catch them. 
Oh, thank All you. Right. I just go watch him right now. Thunderous Wizard, I assume your recommendation is John Wick 4? Okay, so John Wick 4, action masterpiece. Go see it, but I do have two others. If okay. you got kids, Dungeons & Dragons was a lot of fun. Nice. I was shocked at how much fun that movie was. Having, you know, not being into the game or whatever, it was it was I just really, really well done. That. And the guys that did Game Night did it, and uh, they were going to direct The Flash, and that didn't happen, and I'm sure they would have crushed that too, but also looking forward to uh, Andy Muschietti's Flash. Yeah, and hold hold on. The guy, part of that pair, I can't remember which one, is the nerdy kid from Waiting. Gold, uh, Goldstein. Yeah, Jonathan Goldstein is the nerdy oh kid God. from Waiting and from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. yeah, wow. What a career path for that guy. Yeah. And then my second recommendation, because I figured Blake was going to do, or Bling was going to do John Wick 4, is another action movie. It's available on Netflix. It's called The Big Four. And it's an Indonesian action movie directed by the guy that did The Night Comes for Us, which I've recommended on this pod, which is an absolute action classic. He also did the VHS movies, the original VHS movies. It's kind of an action comedy about uh, four assassins who retire and then uh, another assassin comes after them. It's wonderfully bloody and it's got some really cool action scenes and maybe the sickest like shotgun head explosion kill i've ever seen it's yeah it's nuts so and there's uh, one of the dudes from the night comes for us is the star of it um it's good yeah i liked it i hope it gets a sequel because it sets one up okay excellent uh my recommendation this week uh i finally got around so i'm very much a fan of star trek always have been uh maybe even more so than star wars there i said it I got around to watching Lower Decks, which is the animated show on Paramount+. Plus. It is incredibly fun. Definitely watch that. Like, if you, if you like Star Trek lore deep cuts and just general kind of fun mayhem, that's a great show. Plus, they get Frakes and a bunch of other people back to do stuff. So, yeah, check that out if you ain't seen it yet. I think they're on season three. I don't know if they're doing more. I haven't made them all the way through yet. I've seen all of season one and halfway through season two, but very enjoyable. I'm myself and more of a fan of upper decks. You're a definitely an upper decker. That's <laughs> always been true. You definitely come across like that kind of guy that would upper deck somebody. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for the 193rd episode of Hobson Box Office Flops. Next week, we will be continuing our Hops and Xenomorph Flops series with uh, fucking Prometheus. God, I hate that movie. Do you guys drink? It, it's the best movie I've ever Constantly. seen with a penis vagina snake after Dreamcatcher. Mm, yeah, true. Big things have small beginnings, especially when it comes to penis vagina snakes. <laughs>